We read responsibly together Psalm 67, which will also serve as the basis for the sermon this morning. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make His face to shine upon us, that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The Holy Gospel for this Sunday is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her, not a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the gospel of the Lord praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message as we continue the sermon series, Ancient Hymns of Faith for Today, is Psalm 67. I'd like to read these words to you once again. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Yes, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is our text. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, who worship with us online and who also worship with us here, the human face is fascinating. Vision, hearing, smelling, eating, breathing, and I might add kissing, are considered primary functions of the face. It's no accident that our face has the biggest range of muscle structure on the human body, which enables us to eat and to speak and to kiss and to express feelings. Forty-three muscles are directly linked to giving us the capability to make 10,000 unique facial expressions. It is said that our face is the organ of emotion, Our face provides clues to our own feelings and to those of people around us. 
we're constantly reading facial expressions to understand what other people are feeling. Our faces are, as one person said, a dynamic canvas, one in which emotions are drawn vividly and then suddenly erased, only to be redrawn in a new expression in an instant later. We've even developed hundreds of idioms in the English language to express some of these facial emotions. So we talk about people being blue in the face, meaning that they're probably exhausted from anger or strain or some other great effort that they've put out. We also talk about people being red in the face. Maybe that's because they've been shamed or they're embarrassed by something, humiliated. We talk about a person having a poker face, a blank expression, not revealing emotion of any kind. And closely related to that, we talk about a person having a straight face. They show no expression or a solemn expression is on their face. And then sometimes we talk about a person having their game face on. And that, of course, speaks to their mental determination or their resolve in the face of imminent danger or the difficult task or workload. Someone has said that the most important thing that you wear is the expression on your face. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about God's face. In the ancient hymn of faith, which we're studying this morning, Psalm 67, we pray, may God be gracious to us and bless us, and may he make his face to shine upon us. These words are reminiscent of the ironic benediction that we so often use at the end of our services as we give God's blessings to, to us as we depart this place of worship. Will we say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean for God's face to shine upon us? Well, we're asking God to have a favorable disposition toward us. We're asking God to bless us in all aspects of our life. We're asking God to deliver us, to save us, to rescue us from our enemies and from ourselves. Not only for our own personal good, but so that his gracious face will shine on other people as well. When God's people prayed for God's face to shine on them in the Old Testament times, they were often praying for deliverance, for salvation from their political enemies, like the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, or the Romans. They were praying for God to protect them from catastrophes like plagues and famine and drought. But they also prayed for God's face to shine upon them so that he might save them from their sin, that he might grant them his forgiveness, and that he might guide them in the ways that he desires for them to live. So listen to Psalm 31, where the psalmist says, Make your face shine on your servant, Save me in your steadfast love. Psalm 80, restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. And he repeats that same phrase two more times in that psalm. Psalm 119, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. You see, we want God's face to shine upon us. Because to have God hide his face from us is something that we never want to experience. 
The psalmists frequently inquire as to why it is that God has hidden his face from them, for there are devastating consequences going on in their lives. And there's a devastating consequence for here in time and for all eternity when God hides his face from people. Listen to these samples, again, from that hymn book of the Old Testament, the Psalm, Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Again, Psalm 44. Awake, why are you sleeping, Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and our oppression? In Psalm 88. But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I'm helpless. Your wrath is swept over me. Your dreadful assaults, they destroy me. Is it any wonder then that the psalmist who, who ask God not to turn his face from them plead with them to instead to look upon them, to, to turn his face upon them and shine upon them. For again, we read in Psalm 27, Hide not your face from me, O Lord. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. In Psalm 69, Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Psalm 102, do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. In Psalm 143, answer me quickly, O Lord, for my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Men and women of God, do you find yourself resonating with the sentiments and the emotions expressed by these psalmists? Have you ever found yourself bewildered by God's forgetfulness of your plight? Have you been so overwhelmed with sorrow that your heart aches and you plead with God to take that ache away? Yes, have you pleaded with God to wake up and to grant you some form of comfort and hope in your time of affliction and oppression and distress? Have you pleaded with God in the morning hours to relent of his anger? Have you been at the precipice of despair and cried, Answer me quickly, O Lord, I don't know how much more I can take. Hide your face not from me, O my God. Well, if you've ever prayed any of those prayers, then you understand why the psalmist begins his hymn, God be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us. It's an acknowledgement. It's an acknowledgement that all of God's blessings in our life, whether that be his forgiveness and his promise of eternal salvation or his provision to provide for all that is included when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it all begins and it continues and ends in his gracious disposition toward us. We all need His face to shine upon us, not only for our own personal benefit, but also so that God might so abundantly bless us 
that other people are moved to trust in Him, to, to believe in Him, to worship Him, to praise Him, to serve Him. This ancient hymn of the faith assures us that God does indeed bless us. He is blessing us. He will continue to bless us. God is so gracious, in fact, that he even blesses with earthly blessings those who reject and despise him. Jesus says God causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. That's why the psalmist twice repeats in our psalm, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. We're told that following Adam and Eve's disobedience, that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and the woman, they hid themselves from the face of our Lord God. Yes, they actually tried to hide themselves from the face, the presence of the Lord their God. These disobedient children, they did not want to have to face up to the wrath of God, so they tried to hide themselves from his face. They tried to mask over their sin. And what an impossibility that is. They had to have a face-to-face meeting with God. It was inevitable, as it is for all of us. And what a kick in the face it was for, their, for them to betray the God who had created them, who had given them oversight of all of creation. And when confronted with, by God with their sin, Adam and Eve, well, they tried to keep a straight face. But they ended up being red in the face with embarrassment and shame for having disobeyed their Lord. In fact, guilt was written all over their face. For they had egg on their face. For they disobeyed that one command that the Lord had given to them. And instead of doing an about face and falling on their face in repentance, Adam had the audacity to proffer a bold-faced lie and even to throw the blame of their sin into the face of God by saying, the woman that you made, well, she made me do it. You know, God, or Adam and Eve, did not deserve for God to be gracious to them nor to have his face shine upon them. God had every right to get in their face And as we read on in Genesis 3, we see that indeed they had to bear the consequences of their sin. One being death itself, and the other being that they would be cast out of God's presence. They would have no longer a face-to-face relationship with Him like they had in the garden before the fall. But God would be gracious to them. And His face would shine upon them in that one of their descendants would be the Savior of the world. He'd be the light of God in this sin-darkened world. And of course, we speak of Jesus. To see the face of Jesus, that promised descendant of Adam and Eve, is to see the face of God. Jesus is the one who has made God known to us. He says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father who sent me. And what does Jesus' face, what does his organ of emotion reveal to us about God, about himself? 
Well, as we look at this gospel, as we see that Jesus is anchored by self-righteousness that he sees in others. He's angered by their hypocrisy. He loathes greed. He weeps over death. He laments those who reject him and choose to live an immoral life or that good life, thinking that they earn God's favor by it. He's frustrated by half-hearted and dim-witted disciples. But he's also kind. And he's gentle. And he's compassionate. And he's loving. And he's forgiving. And as our Savior, he's determined. He's determined to fulfill the mission that his Father sent him to do. In fact, we're told in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem knowing full well that he will experience the wrath of man and the wrath of God in Jerusalem. His accusers and, and his executioners will spit in his face. They will strike his face with fists. A crown of thorns will be pressed into the forehead of his face. And even his father will hide his face from Jesus as he dies on the cross bearing your sin and mine. And hence the reason why he'll call out, my God, my God, why have you turned away from me? And the answer is because God hides his face now from your sin and mine. Through Christ, our sins are forgiven. He remembers our sin no more. Verse 4 says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity. God does not show favoritism. He is impartial. God doesn't care if the skin on your face is brown or beige or tan or olive or yellow or black or white. He condemns the lawless, the disobedient, the immoral, the self-righteous, the impenitent. And he urges all, no matter their skin color, to face the truth about their sin and its eternal consequences. He assures all people that he loves and forgives them all, for he died for all. And he invites all, you and me, and the rest of the people of this world, to believe in him as their Savior and be saved. It's essential, absolutely essential, for our earthly and eternal well-being, for us to face up to the truth of our own sin, to no longer mask over our sin and our responsibility for it with rationalizations and excuses like, well, I'm going to blame the other person for the way I am, or I was born this way. But instead, to come to the Lord with a repentant heart and to pray, God, be gracious to me, Bless me, and please make your face shine upon me. For with the psalmist in Psalm 51, we plead, hide your face from my sin. And he does, for Jesus' sake. He is gracious. He is gracious to us. You see, God desires nothing more than all of this world than to bless your life and my life with blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Especially the blessing of his face shining upon us with, with his promise of eternal love and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. 
the author and the poet Mary Ann Evans, under the pen name of George Eliot, quipped, life began with waking up and loving my mother's face. Well, when I read that quote, I thought of it a little differently. And I paraphrase it this way. My life, my spiritual life began with waking up at my baptism and seeing the loving face of my Father. Yes, when the Spirit of the Lord brought us to faith in holy baptism, when that water was splashed on our face in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we were awakened spiritually. And we saw the face and we see the face of our loving Father who sent His Son to be our Savior. Many, many years ago now, Sandra and I were sitting in the office of a Pastor Frederick in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we were having our one and only premarital counseling session. And Pastor Frederick looked at me and he said, Glenn, look into Sandra's eyes, look into her face, and tell her why you want to spend the rest of your life with her. And I was uncomfortable. You know, guys don't like to express their feelings. And so I responded by looking at Pastor Frederick and I said, I want to spend the rest of my life with Sandra as her husband because, and I started to give some reasons. And he said, no, no, Glenn, don't look at me. Look into the face of Sandra. Look into her eyes and tell her why you want to spend the rest of your life with her as her husband. Face to face. Face to face. At that baptismal font, in confession and absolution, at the communion rail, our God and our Savior is like a groom who looks into the eyes of his bride, into your eyes and mine, and he promises, I will love you. I will serve you. I will place your needs ahead of my own. I will assume your sin. I will sacrifice myself. I'll even die for you so that you can experience the blessings of my love in this life and the next. Oh, how great it is to be so completely guilty and given over to despair, but to look into your judge's face and see a Savior there. That's how Michael Card puts it in his song, Jubilee. Oh yes, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Yes, we sing for joy and we praise our Lord not only because of all the spiritual blessings that he pours out on us, because his face shines upon us in that way, but his face shines upon us also because the earth has yielded its increase. Verse 6 of our text. The Psalms creates the image of trees bearing fruit, of fields yielding grain, and pastures teeming with livestock. But there's so much more. Maybe you've heard the fable in which a man whispers, God, speak to me. And a meadowlark sings. But the man does not hear. And so the man yells, God, speak to me. And the thunder rolls across the sky. But the man does not listen. 
the man looks around and he says, God, let me see you. And a star shines brightly. The man does not notice. And the man shouts, God, show me a miracle. And a human life is born. But the man does not know. So the man cries out in despair, touch me, God, and let me know that you are here. Whereupon God reaches down and he touches the man. But the man brushes the butterfly away and walks on his way. The point of this fable is this. Don't miss out on the blessings of life that God brings into your life because it isn't packaged the way that you expect. Yes, God blesses us in countless ways. God's graciousness is evident toward us in the beauty of nature, in the faithfulness of the sun rising in the morning and setting at night. His love and graciousness, His face shines upon us as we experience the love of parents and children and friends. When we see the birth of a new generation, when we experience the bountiful harvest, God's face shines upon us when we have orderly government and faithful public servants, when we experience good health and when we're experiencing ill health to have the medical care that's necessary. He blesses us with music and with the arts. And the list could go on and on and on. Yes, God blesses us in all kinds of ways. And so let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. When we pray, God, be gracious to us and bless us. Or when we depart our service as we will today with the Lord's face shining upon us, we do so not for our own personal benefit. But we make that prayer, we say that prayer, also for the sake of God's mission. In order that through us, through God's people, we who have been blessed by God, by His love and forgiveness, by the bountiful blessings He gives to us of our daily bread, that we who have been blessed by His graciousness, who have His, life, who have his light shining upon us, that we would be a blessing to others. That God's face would shine upon others through you and through me. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.